So tonight is Thanksgiving Eve, and that's a pretty high-stakes evening, right? Hello, by the way, hi, it's me, Pablo. Um, and you probably need something to listen to as you prepare to possibly run into your arch nemesis from high school at the local bar near your parents' house. Or maybe you need something to sneak into one uh, earbud as your relatives are going on about uh, their theories about things. Or maybe you're just really excited for the Milwaukee Bucks-Chicago Bulls game tonight. For all of these reasons, this episode is, I think, what you might need. It is one of my favorite episodes from the entire year. It is about a relatively underexplored aspect of the Giannis Antetokounmpo story. And it is all about his relationship with his adopted home city of Milwaukee and all of the people who helped him feel at home. So it is Wednesday, November 23rd, Thanksgiving Eve. And this is ESPN Daily. Ryan Antel, ESPN Daily producer. I'm super excited to have you on the show today for a special reason. So tell us what you've been looking into. Yeah, so as a Bucks fan, there's long been something that felt kind of mysterious to me about a little piece of Giannis's story. This is an area of like what we talk about when we talk about Giannis that didn't totally add up for me. And that being his often expressed love for the city of Milwaukee. When I came here, you know, fell in love with the city. It's a city that loves basketball. This is something he discusses frequently in press conferences and interviews. This is my city. You know, they trust me. They believe in me. They believe in us. Even when we were like, we were lost, the city still was like on our side. But the lingering question for me has been, how exactly did this love come to be? Mm. Because for one, Athletes often say they love the city they play for. Um, right. And then like a week later, they'll force a trade or sign with another team. <laughs> yeah. Plus, at first blush, someone raised in Athens, Greece, with family roots in Nigeria, didn't seem like a natural fit for a small Midwestern city. And there is this one story related to all this that I have been drawn to in particular. I was so excited because this was, first of all, a Bucks player. And second of all, this guy I thought was going to be great. And he was in our car. And it was like the most exciting thing. And the more I looked into it, the more I found that this story opened a door into a greater understanding of the bond between player and team and city. Which in the end played what I find to be an integral role in bringing Milwaukee its first championship in 50 years. It's over. The Bucks have done it. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. So, Ryan, where does this story start for you? Yeah, so, you know, earlier I alluded to this encounter that has captured my imagination. This is something that took place on the streets of Milwaukee. This is a cold Wisconsin day in 2013, and it is something that's been in the ether amongst Bucks fans and the media that cover the team for many years. It's become this bit of folklore. So this is like a legend that's been circulating, but it's also something that clearly is actually important to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And 
I'd say that if you are a Bucks fan and you're having friends over to watch a playoff game, at some point, someone's going to end up sharing a version of this story because it's just cemented its place in the stories everybody likes to tell each other about the team. But as things happen in the oral tradition, um, <laughs> the details can get a little mixed up over time. So I really wanted to pin down where the truth lies here. So because I was so attached to this story and fascinated with what it kind of said about Giannis and the city, I reached out to the woman who's at the center of it to nail down the details. So I'm Jane Gallup, and I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm an English professor at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. She's actually a respected feminist theorist and <laughs> has her own Wikipedia page, Pablo. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I was not aware that the NBA would be intersecting with intersectional feminism, incidentally, in an episode like this. It, yes, it, very much so. A lot of people who know me professionally are shocked to find out what a serious NBA fan I am. <laughs> Do you recall, like, the first time you heard the name Giannis Antetokounmpo? Yeah, I think so. I think it was, it must have been draft night of 2013. With the 15th pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the Milwaukee Bucks select Giannis Adetokounmpo from Athens, Greece. He last played- yeah, I remember Giannis getting drafted, Ryan, and thinking to myself that I had no idea who this person was. You're not alone. I mean, as recently as seven months before the draft, like, he wasn't even on the radar of pretty much any scout. I don't think anyone knew who he was. So it was his story to the draft is crazy in enough as it is. And this was the first time I think pretty much everybody in the city of Milwaukee was hearing of Giannis. Like, right. People didn't know how to pronounce his name. Well, with me, the youngest player in the draft, Giannis Kunpo. Yeah. What's it mean to suddenly know that you're in the NBA? No, it's a uh, it's wonderful feeling. I can't describe how excited I feel, you know? Say it's, it's a dream come true from the from Europe to the NBA. No even in the division one in Europe. Division two to the NBA. It's wonderful, you know. What do you think we- He was only eighteen years old from Athens, Greece, which is, you know, not really a hotbed of NBA talent. It's not actually adding up in a meaningful way to most in the fan community at the time. And so when Jane, as a fan, is taking all of this information in, what is her reaction? She appreciated they kind of seem to be trying something new for a franchise that really needed to be trying something new. The Bucks had, you know, decided to really take a risk and do something unusual. And that was an attractive story because, you know, by then, uh, the Bucks hadn't really been good since like 2001. So she starts following all the news about him, paying attention to what his potential is. I was, you know, reading the hype on him about, you know, his potential. He's got a Kevin Durant body. He handles the ball like a point forward. He's got a great feel for the game, and he's a great kid with a high motor and a young man that I think is going to get better and better. I'm also kind of a homer, so I just I, I decide when the Bucks are going to do something, it's going to be a good thing. And I I remember that I really believed it, mm. whether I was foolish or not. In retrospect, of course, I feel very smart. I believe that that they had found this diamond in the rough, but he was going to be incredible. 
She's an intense optimist for this team, which God salute her for <laughs> for how rough things <laughs> yeah, had been. Not for years. exactly your vibe even now. Yeah, is what you're saying here. Yes, exactly. And Giannis himself, I think, played into this in just in the way his personality was. He had this very playful yet confident demeanor. And I think that kind of fueled Jane's belief in him. I think a good example of this is when he told a group of reporters that, that rookie year that he already had his sights on a ring and an MVP award. We're going to try Try to get a win. I can tell it means something to you. I mean, you, all of a sudden your eyes light up. Yeah, he missed. I want the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> I want the MVP, yeah. That's fun and cute, but like you could also hear the reporters laughing in the background. Of course. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really wild to think that Giannis had any chance of being a future MVP. And Jane understood that. I remember watching him that first year, and he'd often, like, be in the wrong place and look confused. Giannis drags the foot, call for the travel. As a young player, you'll see him kind of get caught up in the moment. The Bucks had a man advantage. An offensive foul against Giannis. He's putting the ball down. He's fiddling with it, but that's meaning no ball movement. Giannis uh, got hit with a technical for throwing the ball and then uh, snarling. Yeah, he snarled at the guy. I mean, uh, you, you can't do that to the official. I would sometimes be embarrassed because he'd be standing in the corner looking like he did not know what to do. People would get excited about like his dunks because that was like, that's what he could do in 2013. That was impressive. Jam down by the alphabet. Giannis sneaks in the back door and packs it. Giannis down the line and slams it. Whoa, my goodness, look out below. Like Giannis on a Goombo at this point is a pretty skeletal figure. I mean, literally and figuratively, like he is very thin and also there's not a ton to sort of like sink your teeth into in terms of his future in the NBA yet. He's dunking a lot. I mean, big picture here. Let's just be honest. How would you summarize the state of the Milwaukee Bucks, the franchise at the time? Yeah. So, I mean, we've alluded to this a little bit, but I think we should put a finer point on this. Like in this particular year, Giannis's rookie year, the team ends up with the worst record in franchise history. 15 wins, 67 losses. <laughs> so the Bucs have allowed 10 or more threes in four straight games. That was the 11th a moment ago for Minnesota. That's the longest streak in 20 seasons. Wow. <laughs> the Bucs have not matched the energy of Minnesota to open the third quarter by a long shot. Ooh, this is ugly right now. Man. I mean, this Minnesota team has... The other thing that was going on around this time is it was really unclear how much longer the Bucks were even going to stay in Milwaukee mm. because they've been middling to bad for more than a decade. In the previous 22 seasons, they'd won a total of two playoff series. <laughs> they played in what I think was considered the worst arena in the league. It was small, it was cold, it was just all around uncomfortable. And something that captures really the shape the organization was in is, unlike a lot of teams, they did not own their own practice facility. Mm. They rented space in a complex that was owned by the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. <laughs> Wait a minute. So the Bucks, the, the NBA team of the city of Milwaukee, major American city, was like practicing in a church building. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have not been there myself. I can't speak to exactly how it looked. Um, but that's high school level sort of symbolism here. 
Yes, yes. But, you know, in, in her biography of Giannis, Mirren Fader noted that it was not uncommon for players to be sharing the court with some of the priests who <laughs> like to use the gym for regular pickup games. And that's, you know, that's very charming. But the thing that was not charming about this was the roof, which leaked, um, <laughs> like really leaked. At times when it was raining, the staff would have to put trash cans out to catch the water that was dripping in. And um, Chris Middleton, who's the only other player on the Bucks' current team who's been around as long as Giannis, he once injured himself slipping on a wet spot. This wasn't just any injury, Pablo. He literally tore the hamstring off the bone. Mm. It took him five months to recover from that. Jeez. It seemed only a matter of time before Herb Cole, the former U.S. senator who was the owner, was going to sell the team. And now you have the fact that, like, things are so bad on the court, fan enthusiasm's low, it it really was just assumed that whenever new ownership came in, they were going to be compelled to move the team. And so did Jane herself, did she traffic in these same fears? Jane was certainly aware of these challenges, but as we've discussed, she's an optimistic person. And of course, there's one big thing that kept her hopeful. I was like really upbeat about the Bucks. They were going in the right direction because they had Giannis and he, yes, he was rough, but he was going to be great and they were going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Giannis wasn't playing a ton at this point, Ryan, right? Like, Jane's enthusiasm here is in defiance of the fact that her favorite guy is getting benched. He's barely cracking 20 minutes a game to start the season. But then at some point, presumably, like, fate intervenes. So, yeah, this is a few weeks after the season starts. The the actual date is November 23rd. Jane and her partner, Dick, are out running errands the middle of the afternoon. It's a Saturday, it was the first cold day of the year, like a thing that happens in Wisconsin every November. All of a sudden it goes from feeling like fall to feeling like winter. It was like 20 degrees out. I was like very struck by how cold it was. Yeah, I'm feeling cold listening to Jane remember how cold it was. <laughs> yes, and I did look this up later. Pablo, do you remember the polar vortex? Oh, God, yes. Was this, wait, this is polar vortex week? It turns out that Giannis's first winter in Milwaukee was the polar vortex winter. So this entire winter was cold. So we went to this grocery store, and I think we were getting in the car, and I see about a, a block away, I see a tall, thin, black, young man running. And my first response is, that guy looks familiar. I think I know him. At first, I thought he was a friend of my daughter's. We get in our car, and we drive in a different direction. We're driving home. And two blocks later, we see him. He's about to cross our path. So if you picture this, Jane's in the passenger seat. Dick is the one driving. And as they pull closer to this runner, Jane starts to realize why this guy looked so familiar. I say to Dick, who is my partner, I say, that's Giannis, can we give him a ride? <laughs> yes, the guy now running in front of them is Giannis Antetokounmpo. But as Jane is recounting this tale to me, she pretty much glosses over her excitement for seeing him and went straight to what, to her, was a much more pressing concern. The first thing that goes to mind is he's wearing a windbreaker. And I know that he's lived all his life in Athens, Greece, and he, has, he doesn't understand about cold weather. 
So my response in my head is, oh my God, he needs a winter jacket. He's not wearing a winter jacket. He's not dressed for it to be 20 degrees. He's running. He's not walking. He's not jogging. This is, I mean, I, that's part of why I noticed him is that somebody was running down the street, like running. Yeah. Yeah. And not for X, he wasn't dressed like he was working out or something like that. I say to Dick, can we give him a ride? And he said, sure. So he pulls up right next to Janos. Janos is running on the street at this point. He rolls down his window. He says, do you want a ride? And Janos says, are you going to the Bradley Center? <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't even make any sense, but that's what he said. Yeah, it doesn't make sense because <laughs> does not. the Bucks are so bad, there are no fans heading to the Bradley Center several hours before tip-off. <laughs> no. So Jane and her partner offer a more logical response. And we said, we can give you a ride there. <laughs> he seems really glad to have a ride, <laughs> you know. Okay, Ryan, so Giannis is now standing at the window of this car of these strangers who've pulled over and are apparently going to try and help him. And we need to find out where this goes after a break. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Okay, Ryan. So Giannis is accepting this offer from these strangers who are saying that they'll get him to the Bradley Center where he plays basketball, does his job. What happens next? He's glad to have a ride, but there is a bit of a challenge they have to overcome here. The car is a Honda Fit. Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very small. I mean, my kids complained about the backseat of that car. Yeah, Ryan, I'm looking on Google Images at a Honda Fit, and it, it feels like um, it's missing like a third of itself. And so the idea that Giannis is opening that shorter back seat and like folding himself into the rear of this vehicle, it, the geometry does not exactly compute in my brain. Somehow he makes it work. You know, he's a resourceful kid, I guess. Um, <laughs> Giannis, he crawls in, basically curls up in the back seat. He is sideways. So it's like his feet are not where feet go. He's sideways, which makes sense. And he's bent, so his like knees are by his chin. He's figured out a way to put himself in this car. To this day, I can't quite believe he could be in the backseat of this car. It's very small. You know, for one, Giannis just like goes along with it. <laughs> you know, he just <laughs> right. is like, yeah, okay, this is what it's going to take. This is what it's going to take. Thanks. But, you know, once he's in the car, they end up having a nice little conversation. What did he say about why he was out there in the cold? He said 
He'd been to Western Union to send money to his parents because in those days his family was still in Greece. He'd actually taken a cab to Western Union. He sent all of his money to his parents. He didn't have a credit card and he therefore couldn't get another cab. Mm. I remember I said to him, you need a warmer jacket. <laughs> One of the first things I probably said to him because I was like obsessed with this. And he said, I don't have a credit card. And I sent all my money to my parents. So he like couldn't buy a jacket or whatever that was. He was sort of explaining that to me. And I just said to him, I said, listen, if you're going to live in Milwaukee in the winter, you need a warmer jacket. Wow. No, I, this is an unseen part, Ryan, of the modern international NBA. The fact that Giannis found himself unable to pay for a cab, had no money in his account, and was getting advice on how to survive the Midwestern winter from a literal stranger. A literal stranger who turns out to then be a fan of yours specifically. The thing I have to convey is that I was so excited because this was, first of all, a Bucks player. And second of all, this guy I thought was going to be great. And he was in our car. And it was like the most exciting thing. We drove to the Bradley Center. I mean, it must have taken five minutes at most. I mean, it's a, you know, this is not a long way by car. I asked him for an autograph. And I asked him actually for two. I said, I want one in English and one in Greek. Because I know a little bit of Greek. I was so excited that it never occurred to me to take a picture, which would have been a wonderful priceless picture of him in the backseat of the Honda Fit, but I don't have it. I can only describe it with my words. We get to the Bradley Center. He and I both get out of the car. I get out to say goodbye to him. And he thanks me. And I shake his hand and wish him luck. I really am bummed we don't have that photograph. Uh, <laughs> but the fact that it happened at all, Ryan, I mean, is that, is that where the story ends? Like Giannis then just like goes to work, goes about his day? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, at the time, all Jane knows is that Giannis goes on with his game day routine. And, you know, keeping with the trend of the season, the Bucks get blown out that night by the visiting <laughs> Charlotte Bobcats. Giannis did not play until the fourth quarter, uh, by which point the Bucks were down 23 points. Yeah, a polar vortex of offensive ineptitude. Yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. But I did look at a recap of that game, and it said that Giannis made some aggressive drives to the basket and was one of the few players not moving at a snail's pace. Nate Walters, beautiful. And what about Jane? What does a hardcore fan do after having a day like this? Well, I think she does what a lot of enthusiastic folks would do. She decides to detail this story in a comment that she posts on the Brew Hoop blog. This is a site devoted to Bucks coverage. And then later in the season, Sports Illustrated writes a big feature on Giannis that includes a detail about strangers who gave him a ride to the arena and thank you, Internet, because Jane's original post on Brew Hoop is eventually used to help identify her as one of the strangers. And from there, her fame grows. You know, it did make me start to think about, like, this was something the Bucks were having to deal with every day. Mm. They were having to help Giannis acclimate to life in America 
every single day for that entire season. Yeah, it seems like helping Giannis, helping him acclimate to life as an NBA player is an extraordinarily different equation than it is with a typical rookie. But, you know, even still, it does seem like this entire episode could have been very easily avoided, right? I mean, was there nobody on the Bucks whose job was to make sure that Giannis can get where he needs to go? It's a good question, and it was, in fact, the question that I was wondering while I was talking to Jane, is who was kind of supposed to be helping him out with this kind of stuff? So I did go out and try to track down someone who I thought might be able to answer that question. Uh, I know quite a bit about that because that was one that uh, Giannis and I both got questioned from the front office about what went wrong or what happened then. So that is Ross Geiger, who was the Bucks' assistant video coordinator in Giannis's rookie year. At the time, he was a young guy in his early 20s, so not much older than Giannis. And in the video department, he's organizing game tape and practice tape. But with a franchise that isn't flush with resources like the Bucks, a guy like him is going to find himself doing a lot of odd jobs. And it turned out that shortly after Giannis got drafted in 2013, the Bucks general manager, John Hammond, gave Ross an assignment. He was like, hey, just so you know, like, we get this guy over here, we're more than likely going to need a lot of help with him uh, getting around and, and teaching him ways of life here in America. This was not foreign territory for Ross. He had done things like this with other players. This was, though, foreign territory for Giannis, literally. <laughs> this was very much foreign territory for Giannis. He was in a new country. Uh, he didn't really know anyone in America. His family was having visa issues and couldn't get over here, so he was, for the most part, on his own. So this is where Ross came in. Giannis couldn't drive, so he needed help with transportation. He needed help, like, learning where things were. But, you know, over time, they started to develop, you know, a nice relationship. We had, like, an off day, and I told Giannis, hey, I'm going to be gone for a little bit tonight. I'm going to go visit a friend in, in Chicago. Immediately, with no, without a hesitation, he's like, hey, can I come? Like, I'd love to come. And, and that was kind of like a, a turning point where I was like, wow, he wanted to hang out with me and, and like get to know my friends. So Ross and Giannis really became friends. He ultimately decided to move in the same building that I lived in. He ended up spending a ton of time at my place. Most of the time he would sleep on my couch just because he was lonely in a vacant three-bedroom apartment by himself. He was like my, my shadow. Wherever I went, he went, wanted to go. He became my little brother, to be honest. During this time, you know, Ross is driving Giannis around in a 1998 Subaru. <laughs> the cars that we're referencing in this episode, just truly amazing artifacts of America's vehicular history. Yeah, and it's an entry-level job for the Bucks. He's probably not having the nicest car. That makes some sense. But this is the car that Giannis is, like, spending a lot of time getting around the city of Milwaukee in and, frankly, getting in uh, some wacky adventures with Ross. <laughs> in fact, he shared one of them with me there was one night where they went out to the Cheesecake Factory, which Ross tells me was Giannis's favorite restaurant. And as they left, they realized that a snowstorm had begun while they were inside. Yeah, Ryan, I'm sensing this through line from your reporting of really bad weather and very small cars. <laughs> I mean, that is absolutely a through line here. 
we came out and the snow was just like coming pounding down um, and he had flip-flops on with uh, just like some NBA socks so he's like kind of high high stepping it to the car as we're going you know trying to get through the snow I think it's worth pointing out that Giannis has clearly not heeded uh, Jane's advice about getting some um, <laughs> some appropriate winter attire. Apparently not. But things got a little hairy on the ride home because Ross's windshield wipers weren't up to the task of handling these blizzard conditions. So Giannis grabbed a towel and took things into his own hands. When he opens the window... And uh, he takes his arm outside the car and wipes uh, physically with his own hand, wipes the front windshield every like probably 30, 30 seconds to a minute. He'd be uh, opening the window again and putting his hand out there with a towel and brushing off the, the car. Yeah, the human windshield wiper isn't quite the human highlight reel as nicknames go, but it is pretty impressive in a physical sense nonetheless. It's th- There's kind of this... Ross being the straight man in this buddy comedy with Giannis situation that clearly had (laughs) developed between the two of them during the course of the season. Yeah, I'm imagining like a Lethal Weapon movie poster remake here, Ryan, of Ross and Giannis back to back. And, And also the buddy cop aspect here does involve getting yelled at for their misadventures by their police chief, aka in this case, the Bucks front office. And as we heard Ross say earlier... One of those scoldings specifically came after the whole episode with Jane, right? So what did Ross have to say about why he was not there to prevent Giannis from running down these cold streets in Milwaukee? In fairness to Ross, he told me that he had checked in with Giannis that day to confirm that Giannis was good, that he had transportation to the arena to go to the game. And Giannis was like, yeah, I'm set. I got it covered. No big deal. The long story short, Pablo, is Giannis went rogue. <laughs> he just decided, <laughs> I'm going to figure this out on my own, and I'm going to take care of this myself. But they did have to kind of rein Giannis in and explain to him, you can't just be taking rides from strangers. We had to talk with Giannis and make sure that he was aware that's not normal or something safe to do moving forward as he was still continuing to learn. I think the Bucks did recognize that, like, that system was not going to be sustainable for much longer, and they needed to come up with a longer-term solution for how Giannis was going to get around the city. So um, they had to teach him how to drive, and Pablo, I'll give you one guess who got tasked with that job. Yeah, I, I feel bad for Ross about that. <laughs> yeah, Ross, he's my, he's my teacher. Even I get 60 years old, he's going to still teach me how to drive. That is indeed a clip from the Bucks YouTube page of Ross giving Giannis a driving lesson. And guys, just to let you guys know, I drive better than him. Oh, here we go. What? Here we go. Come on, man. It's kind of hard to make out, but he says, guys, I drive better than him. Yeah, and I think I heard Ross saying there, I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of the entire city of Milwaukee, let me just say thank you to Ross for being Giannis's <laughs> guide in these early days and making him feel happy and welcome in the state. Um, and, you know, Giannis did eventually get his driver's license to uh, successfully navigate the city and make it around town, which at least took one thing off of Ross's plate of various responsibilities for the team. 
All right, Ryan, how Giannis, yes, got his driver's license, but still decided not to leave town in the end after the break. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. And you know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. I know I have. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. So, Ryan, as we walk through the story of Giannis and Milwaukee, it occurs to me that I have not spent a ton of time walking through the actual city of Milwaukee. I don't know a ton about the place. How would you describe it as a basketball city? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts and senses about all of that, but it's been 17 years since I lived in southeastern Wisconsin myself, and I never actually lived in Milwaukee proper. So I reached out to a certain friend of the show by the name of Myron Medcalf. He is a college basketball reporter for us. Born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My mom was a school teacher. My dad worked at a factory. Myron lives in Minneapolis these days, but still has plenty of family in Milwaukee and makes regular trips back home. Everything I know is Milwaukee, my my barbershop, the the church I grew up in. You know, everybody played basketball in the summer, McGovern Park. So as a lifelong Bucks fan, Myron definitely remembers when Giannis was drafted and... Like many other people in the city, he was confused. Like, why are we gambling on this guy from overseas? No one knew who he was. Young guy, skinny, not developed. You know, why? Why Why would you pick this guy? No, Myron's a college basketball expert, and here comes this guy that none of us have heard of before with, like, grainy videos playing in gyms that, yeah, barely seem suitable for NBA players. He looked like one of those kids who was like, I've never seen a weight, you know? I don't even know what a weight room is. And then, like, the body started to fill out. And all of a sudden, the things he had been thinking about doing for three years, he could finally do. High pick and roll. Giannis on the loose. Oh, he didn't. Oh, my gosh. I think his journey is what makes him so relatable in Milwaukee. Doesn't come from anything. Uh, struggled as a kid. You know, I know he was selling stuff on street corners in, in Greece. After his family uh, immigrated there, you drive by Lincoln Park and you drive by McGovern Park, specifically in Milwaukee, you'll find a bunch of Giannis's. A bunch of people who believe that their only ticket to something other than the darkness around them is basketball. 
One thing Myron spoke to is that Milwaukee is small enough that Myron himself would periodically just run in uh, box players around town. Like I remember seeing Ray Allen at the movies. Big dog Glenn Robinson. He had the, the biggest rims you've ever seen in your life. Tim Thomas had a, had a white Bentley that he would park at G's Clippers, which is like the big barbershop that a lot of people go to in the city. Like you saw them, but you weren't a part of them. And that's the difference with Giannis. Like Giannis, to me, made a point of saying, I'm one of you. It reminds me, Ryan, of that moment. Again, another viral moment of Giannis in a car. But he wins the title in 2021, and he goes famously to the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. Can I have, please, a 50-piece Mac Minis? 50, exactly. Okay. Not 51, not 49. <laughs> chicken Minis, yes. 50. A 50-piece of Chicken Minis to mark the 50 <laughs> points he had scored the previous night before in the clinching game. Let's go! This is why I love playing the game. This is why I love playing the game. He's like reveling in the moment and he's loving every second of it. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. You are so awesome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it was kind of the payoff, Ryan, that I imagine Giannis dreamed about when he signed that giant new contract to stay in the city of Milwaukee as a buck in 2020, right? Like, this was the deal that he had imagined when he decided to re-up through 2026. Absolutely. And that decision was not a foregone conclusion when it happened. No. I'm saying you're going to lose him. You cannot lose Giannis for nothing. Yeah. You cannot lose him. This is how it works in the NBA. For years, it felt like there had been a lot of speculation as to whether or not Giannis would stay in Milwaukee. It felt like the thing that was hanging over the team in 2019, in 2020. I think the teams that he might join is Golden State, Mm. Miami, or Toronto. They'd fizzled out in the playoffs two seasons in a row after having the best record in the league both years. The media paints everything in such championship or bust now that I think a lot of times that impacts players' decisions on whether they leave small market teams. Yeah, I mean, Ryan, there are all these rumors about Giannis signing with the Warriors or with the Lakers, one of these big market, you know, big city teams that could make him an automatic contender. Yeah, and to kind of get a better read on on how this all played out, I did reach out to our own Malika Andrews. Now she's the host of ESPN's NBA Today, but she's been covering the Bucks and Giannis since 2018 and was on this story pretty much every step of the way. From what I remember, it came down to the wire. It wasn't like everyone knew this was the decision that Giannis was going to make months and months before he made the decision. He sort of said, I don't really want to go work out with other players in the offseason. I just want to put my head down and work. Why would I want to sort of buddy up with anybody else? Yeah, this is a rejection by Giannis of an archetype of philosophy, the whole, like, we need to build a super team with friends scattered across the NBA if we really want to be a champion. Yeah, and so many NBA players, as you know, grow up playing AAU ball with each other, 
or you know later on they'll be on Team USA together. They build these bonds over many years. Giannis came in a league with really not any connection to anyone. And when he got here, it was people like Ross Geiger and the team owners, so many others that made this choice not just to draft him, but to nurture him along and, and help him become the star he's become. Welcome back to SportsCenter with our breaking news. Congratulations to Giannis and everyone in Milwaukee as he has agreed and announced on Twitter that he will sign a five-year, $228 million Supermax extension, putting him in Milwaukee for years to come. There is that foundation that Giannis doesn't forget the people who invested in him and his family. These people literally changed my life, and so there's a reciprocity there. What I hear Malika saying there, and yes, of course, as a hardcore Bucks fan, <laughs> this is what I'm going to hear. <laughs> sure. But it does sound like so much of this mattered for him. The personality of the city, the way people embraced him, I think it really impacted his choice. And that choice had ramifications for the way last season's championship run played out because had he not decided before the season to re-sign, there would have been this cloud hanging over him and the team all season long. When you look at how close they really were to not quite getting as far as they got, a little bit of Kevin Durant's toe and we'd be telling a very different tale right now, <laughs> you can see how important him deciding to stay really was for the way that season played out. The emotions come pouring out. One of the greatest nights in Milwaukee sports history ends in a coronation and the brilliance of the young man from Athens. This extraordinary story of this extraordinary young man gives him his NBA title. I think his decision to stay in Milwaukee reflects a bit of a magical recipe that brought this all about. It's a team that can afford to be patient. It can afford to wait while he grows and makes up for his late introduction to basketball. As he learns to drive. <laughs> yes, as he learns to drive. And he ends up being so grateful for the team's patience, for the team giving him a chance, and for the city embracing him that he just can't imagine leaving. Like, it's easy to go somewhere and go and win a championship with somebody else. It's easy. I could go to a super team and, you know, just do my part and win a championship, still one. But this is the hard way to do it, and this is the way I chose to do it. And we did it. We did it. We did it, man. Hearing that, I, I can only imagine now how Jane, our again, our professor friend we started this whole show with, how she must have been feeling in that specific moment. You know, she was absolutely ecstatic. Funnily enough, she happened to be visiting her son overseas while the Bucks made their march to the title, so she was watching at 2 a.m. But she made it back in time for the parade and a lot of local media decided it was time to revisit her story. She got a kind of another wave of attention in the wake of Giannis's title. Jane herself speaks to 
all the places that this story has traveled. My favorite surprise of how the story has traveled is my daughter met a guy in Paris who was Greek. And she said she was from Milwaukee, and his eyes got big. He said, Milwaukee? Giannis! She said, my mom once gave Giannis a ride. And this kid said to her, your mother is a hero in Greece. I will take that phrase for the rest of my life. Your mother is a hero in Greece. (laughs) Think about how this is all cub full circle for a second. Because Giannis got exported to Milwaukee, built a life there, helped bring a championship there. And in turn, Milwaukee as a city gets exported globally. You know, I also love the story of this guy out of nowhere whose life is transformed and then who transforms things for us. And now as we tell it, it's clear that he actually did more for us than we did for him. Ryan Entel, thank you for finding this story and bringing it to us. Thank you, Pablo. It was my pleasure. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.